All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. afternoon everybody welcome to another episode of dropping the gloves we appreciate your support for listening to us right tim don't we love it we sure do thanks so much thanks john thanks for pointing it out it is nice it is nice it's a beautiful friday afternoon here tim how is south carolina treating you i'm in north carolina as you know um but it's great it's beautiful it's sunny i'm going to raleigh tomorrow check this out my cousin and her husband are going to raleigh for some work thing and I'm going to go because I'm going to look at some skates at pure hockey there. And about, I don't know, six months after that, we'll race. So pure hockey, they're good skates. I think, right. It's not a brand. It's like a, it's a store. Yeah. Do they, yeah. I thought they did. Maybe. All right. That'll be it's fun. Right. There's no hockey store in uh there's gotta be a hockey store where you are. The Carolina hurricanes are there. Actually they're no, in Raleigh. That's Raleigh. Yeah. So I don't know where you live. I thought you lived in South Carolina. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Shows the, they got the checkers. How do they not have a hockey store with the checkers there? They probably do, but there's not much. And I haven't bought okay. in 12 years, so no one cares. But when you get up to speed, we'll have a race. And do you think you can honestly even come close to beating me? Just be honest. And you're in your heart of hearts, deep down. Here's, here's the thing I don't know what my speed's going to be because I haven't skated since. <sighs> I don't know if people know this, but I broke my leg a few years ago, and I'm not going to be back at 100. That's for sure. So we'll see. Even when you're at your 100, there's no I could beat you backwards in a race around the rink. That that is not no chance. No chance you beat me backwards. 100. percent I I would bet money on it. You go backwards, I go forwards. That's what I just said. Yeah. No. No chance. No. You're not an athlete. <laughs> and and this just this just steers perfectly into what i went through two days ago when i was at meyer so meyer for those of you who don't know is a michigan superstore it's like the walmart of michigan but a little bit classier wouldn't you say tim it's a little bit nicer a little they have a grocery food section they got the pharmacy they got the toys they got the clothes it's got everything it's very nice i was there i had to get some games for my kids camp which i'll touch on in a second i just got demolished last night at my kids camp at least my thing was hockey related and you said no one cares and you're about to go talk about Yahtzee. It ties hockey. in perfectly with you because it was it, I ran into a dad that was just epically failing and his kid was a spoiled brat who had never been told the word no. 
and he had two kids there and it, it was his dad screaming at the top of his lungs audrey audrey let's go let's go and that i i'm running by the daughter because she's in the games aisle i'm looking for games and she's just not even caring couldn't care less that her dad's calling her name I go out to the aisle to switch around to the next aisle to look for more toys. And I see the dad yelling at his son, Charlie, you're not getting that gun. You're not getting the gun. We got three guns at home. It was a Nerf gun. We're not getting it. Get it out of the cart. Get it out of the cart. Screaming at him, screaming for Audrey. This went on, Tim, for 10, 15 minutes. I'm not going to just go through the whole story. The whole time I'm biting my tongue because I want to go take this guy behind the woodshed and just beat his doors up because he's doing a terrible job parenting his kids. And I'm just thinking to myself the whole time, like, this is why, this is why our country sucks. A large part of it is because these kids grow up and no one ever tells them no. If my kids were there, and I'm not saying I'm a perfect parent by any means, but I was just biting my tongue. If if that was me and my kid didn't listen to me on, I'll give them the first one because they're excited. They're looking at the toys. They don't know what to pick. There's a lot of options, a lot of indecision, indecisiveness. I'll give them to the second time. And I go, if you're not within eyesight walking towards me, we're leaving and you're getting nothing. That's what I, that's what I do. And I have left kids in stores before. So they, so they get a little nervous, smaller stores, not the size of Myers. I'm like, I'll I'll be, I'll be outside. And because I I have no time for kids not obeying their parents. So this guy's screaming at his kids, five, six, seven rows over in the grocery store. And I'm like, shut, shush. Like, be quiet. This isn't your house. You're screaming at you. Audrey! Audrey! Let's go! Let's go! And the kids just could care less. She's, like, picking up toys. I'm like, you weak, weak man. I just felt bad for him. I'm like, your kids are going to grow up and be terrible human beings. I can see it already. And then, lo and behold, I'm walking by the cart. I have my four games. I bought some water balloons. I'm walking by the cart. What do I see in the cart, Tim? The Nerf gun. Charlie got the Nerf gun. After he his dad it. told him 10 times to get out of the cart, still in the cart. This is a, if you're a parent out there, I know we have a lot of parents. You got to stick to your guns. You got, Once you say something, I don't care if it's the most dumbest thing ever. Got to stick to your guns. Once a kid gets that inch, they're going to take a mile. Like, ah, it, yeah. I just shook my head walking by the cart. I'm like, you're, you're not doing it. You're not doing it right. Like I said, I'm not a perfect dad. But I know that guy's not doing it right. You know what I mean, Tim? And it just ties in perfectly to you with these illusions that you're going to beat me in a race. And I spent my whole life skating. I might, I spent my whole life on skates. So did I. Oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You lied. You spent your whole night life LARPing. So <laughs> I do know those parents. The same thing drives me crazy with dogs. It's probably my number one pet peeve. Oh, and then Hold there's on. this other thing where people with dogs think they know what it's like to have kids. It's not the no, same. No, no. No, but the, but bad dog owners is my number one pet peeve. Yeah, like the stuff that like they don't clean up the poop and they have no control and the dogs are pulling on the leash and they're 10 feet ahead of their owner and they don't listen and there's no commands and they're res- responsive to everything, react to everything, drives me nuts. It makes me like there's one guy in my building I see all the time and he's just awful with his dog. And I'm sure his dog is cute and sweet, but it has no rules. There's no structure to its life. And it's it really bothers me. Yeah, I confronted a guy last night after the kids' baseball game. Some guy did a really dangerous driving maneuver. He pulled out of this parking spot, drove in the wrong lane, crossed two lanes just to get to the ice cream spot. I pull up behind him, and I'm like, 
are we in a hurry here? What's and I, and I was serious. I'm like, what are we doing? You, that was super dangerous. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm from South America. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. And he's showing me his driver's license. Like I live in Buenos Aires. I'm like, we're in Michigan. <laughs> you're, you're, that was a terrible, terrible driving, like figure it out. And I could tell he was a little nervous because he was a smaller guy. I'm like, oh man, clean it up everybody. But anyways, moving on. Is there anything else we want? Oh, I should, I should mention this. So the water balloons I bought, my kids, they're done their camp last year. The big thing at the end of the camp was we got to throw water bottles at our priest. He put on this like mask so he didn't bash him in the face. And we put stuff on his head. We try to knock it off. The kids throw heaters. They're throwing fastballs because there's some older kids. So he didn't want to do it this year. So I stepped up to the plate. I'm like, all right, throw water bottles at me. Water balloons, water balloons. I got hit in the eyeball, directly in the eyeball. Lost vision for a good 10 to 15 seconds. I thought I lost my eye. These kids were throwing... 65 mile an hour fastball Tim's at my face. I took one in the eye. I took one in the cheek. I took one in the ear. I had to turn around. They were going for my privates. These kids are animals. I was just like, what's going on with our children trying to hurt their elders. It was awful. The kids loved it. But yeah, I walked away with a gift card to slab town hamburgers, which is, you know, me, I love a good hamburger. How good is slab town Tim for those of our listeners who have never been to Traverse city. Let them know. They're the best burgers in town. I mean, I was waiting for you to relate the guy, the dad and and Meyer somehow we're linking that to Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner or something like that. I was waiting for that. Well, that's a whole, I think everybody knows how I feel about kids just not being told no. And, And it's a big, it's a huge issue. It's a huge issue. You have to know how to accept the word no. It's, it's my buddy owns a business in town, Sweet Pea. I'm just shouting out businesses all over the place. He's like, we're trying to get employees. Everybody who comes in, they want to work from 11 till four. And he's like, that's not a shift. That's not a thing. You can't just come in and like, just tell me your hours. You either have to open or you have to close or you're useless to me. And so everybody he gets, and it's not a lot of people because there's no employment pool here. Everybody just wants to suckle on the teat of the government. He's like, they just want to work 11 till four. They want to sleep in and leave early. It's just, it's mind boggling. Meanwhile, I'm busting my hump. I'm waking up early. I'm going to work all day. I'm going home sawing trees. I'm a perfect human. That's what I've just that's what I've just come to. Perfect. Nailed it. I don't do anything wrong. Is that is that your your legacy? John did nothing wrong. On my tombstone. Gonna be great. All right, moving on. Eric Carlson. The fascination with this guy to me. Much like parenting, who you're not doing your job, much like Tim with his delusions that he's faster than me, I will hazard this guess. 80% of our listeners could beat you in a skating race, Tim. And we have like a wide demographic of listeners. We have listeners from Africa who probably haven't skated before. John, come on. We've never skated. I, I'm assuming you're a terrible skater. I know you You think break that. your leg without being touched. You can't I was- be good. It wasn't without being touched. Looked at? Breathed It wasn't. Up. It was? No. <laughs> John, okay. It's, it's important on. for you. Eric Carlson, the fascination with him. I'm not going to let you lie to our listeners like that. It 80% just, of our listeners. Inflate, inflate your skill. I just want to just. Yeah. That's, that's not even. That's not true. Not true. 100% of our, co- of our hosts are. 
It's me. Can we move on to the show? Is it always about you? Is it a bragging point that you're faster than this guy who never played above club hockey level? Well, no, because you were the one who started this, who said, I'm going to heal up and I'm going to race you in six months. We can rewind the tape and I'm going to beat you. That's fine, but you're not faster oh! than I am forward. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> facts, facts. All right, Eric Carlson, the fascination with this guy. San Jose has been dangling this guy out for two years now, correct, Tim? Do you want me to speak now? Yes. No, he makes $11.5 million. He was once a great defenseman. And I stress the word once. I will go down swinging if someone says he's a good defenseman. I think he is average at best, most likely below average defenseman. Yes, he puts up points. I'll give you that. That's all he does. He puts up a heck of a lot of points. I understand. He put up 100 points that it hasn't been done in, what, 20-some years. Very impressive numbers. He is a below-average defenseman. I would not want him on my team. Maybe my four or five defensemen, I'll put him out there so we can be a power play specialist. All that aside, the fascination with this guy, if the reports are true, boggles my mind. And it's from teams that are very, very good. It's not from new GMs who are just trying to make a splash. It's not from teams who need to make a move in order to compete. It's from teams that have Stanley Cup aspirations. Aspirations. I don't know what the word is. It is the Carolina Hurricanes. It is reportedly the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is the Pittsburgh Penguins. These are premier teams that want to go out and trade for Eric Carlson. Give up assets to get this guy. Correct me if I'm wrong, everybody listening. Write in an email. Send me a tweet. I want to know, am I the only one who thinks it's a crazy idea that you would go out and give up assets for this player? I've said it once and I'll say it a million times. The only way I'm trading for Eric Carlson is if Mike Greer gives me a first round draft pick. That's the only way or prospects. This guy is going to make $11.5 million for the next four years. He's 33 years old. He has not played a shred of defense in his own zone for the last three, four years. He is awful. He sacrifices defense for offense every single shift he's on the ice. Tim and I were just watching a clip of Charlie McAvoy. His highlights dangling, and Tim's like, look at Eric Carlson. It's embarrassing. He doesn't even put an ounce of effort into stopping Charlie McAvoy, who goes coast to coast, Maine to Maui, and scores. And Carlson's like, well, whatever. We were losing anyways. I'm going to get my cookies, two assists, one goal. Everybody going to think I'm great. I'm going to win the Norris Trophy. It's it's awful. Am I crazy, Tim? Am I the only one who thinks this? Because every article I read, every pundit I listen to, everybody's like, oh, Eric Carlson, he's a prime. He's going to be great. He's going to go to Carolina. He's going to go to Pittsburgh. He's going to go here and there. He's going to vault them up in the Stanley Cup status. I, I think he'll do the opposite, and he'll make a team worse. Please correct me. Well, there's some there's so many layers to this. I don't think he's as bad as you make him out to be defensively. He's not a four or five. You know, like if you put up that many points, you're automatically yeah, I understand that like, okay, if I have if I'm gonna commit eleven million dollars to a defenseman, it's not Eric Carlson, right? He's 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 not near the top of the list. And so even you you have to assume that the sharks are gonna have to eat some of the contract to make it work, not just from a, a cap perspective, but from a value perspective, what he brings to your team. But he's not a four or five. He's he's a top pairing defenseman. He he will get exposed. Not a chance. He will get exposed. But there have been like okay, think about like 
he's not in Carlson's level, but the Keith Yandles of the world, right? Who have not, who are probably a four or five, but they're a power play one guy, right? Those guys have not made anywhere near the money that Carlson has made. And so it, it's, it's more, it's the value it's, it's he's He's being overpaid for what he brings as a complete player, but we're talking about a guy that just won the Norris trophy, John, like your argument about him not being a good defenseman is just not going to hold a lot of water for most people, even though you you might be right. It's just, it's a, it's a hard case to make right now, just the timing of it. But going back to the trades, yeah, bad idea. Both of these teams. And then you look at Carolina. Any, any team, Tim, I apologize. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's Brent Carolina. Burns. It didn't work. Him and Kim Burns had no chemistry in San Jose. Why would they try to make it work in Carolina? They're a better team, sure. But is this going to – the Sharks were good when they brought Carlson in five years ago. Didn't – they were good. Why would yeah, you think – That, that was the big move to push him over the top. But I just don't see it happening. I'm I'm going to rebut this a little bit. I I don't think he is a two three a three four. I think he's a four or five guy who you want to put out there for thirteen fourteen minutes a game, and that's it. You limit his defensive zone playing. You play him in the offensive zone. He's a he's an offensive zone specialist. That's all he is in this in this point of his career. I, I, I the Norris Trophy was the worst thing that ever happened to defensemen. In a nutshell, I think it just values offense, obviously, and it devalues what it means to be a defenseman. Completely. Like, what is a defenseman? Your job is to not let goals score. And when you look at Eric Carlson's season, yes, he had 101 points. He was dash 26. How many of those 101 points were on the power play? Probably 30, 35, maybe. So if you take those out of the equation, he's dash. He's not He's not playing well. I don't, I don't know, Tim. I really don't know. So I think whoever trades for him is making a huge, huge mistake. When you even if they eat six million of his, his salary, just say, and the team who takes him on has to pay six million dollars. Would you rather have him or any of the other guys making six million dollars in the league? A Mackenzie Weger, a Josh Morrissey, a Hampus Lindholm, a Tory Krug, a Colton Pranko, Justin Falk, Ryan Pollock, Chris Latang, Jonas Brodeen. Rosmus Dahlin, I know he's on the entry-level contract, but all of these other guys, I'm taking over Carlson, right? Don't you think? Because uh, they, they, they throw an ounce of effort in the defensive zone. I put Carlson squarely in the middle of that list that you just mentioned. I think he's better than half of those guys, and the other half are better than him. But yeah, I don't want- point made. Point made. All right, but okay, out of those three teams, where do you think he makes the biggest impact? And where do you think it's just a terrible, terrible matchup? If he gets traded. Pittsburgh, Toronto, Carolina. Where does he make the biggest impact? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? I think Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, you got Latang had a great season last year, all things considered. But he, and I actually looking at his stats this morning, you think of Latang as like, you know, a, a silky smooth offensive first type defenseman, and he puts up a lot of numbers, but he plays a complete game. He was up there in block shots. He was up there in hits. Like he's, he's a good, good player. He does everything. And so maybe taking some of the pressure off him to have to produce offensively. We have Carlson out there with assuming they don't have to trade too much off their roster and they can go, you know, full throttle with Crosby and Malkin and Rust and Gensel and all those guys. That's, I mean, is there a better power play in the league if you add Carlson to it? So it would I feel be lethal. Like, yeah. I feel like he, that's when he, he, Pittsburgh is, might, is a fringe playoff team right now. He puts them near the top of the division, I think. It, it would bump them up, especially they brought in Ryan Graves, friend of the show. They they have a good, complete team, but they're not getting any younger. You look at that team, you look at that roster, everybody's pushing 35. So he would just be another old guy to run into the mix. Crystal Tang is a perfect example of a, of a 
well-rounded defensive player who probably sacrifices offense to take care of his own. But you can lock him in consistently for 50 points every single year. And he's going to be plus 15, plus 20. He is a complete defenseman. I would take him any day of the week over an Eric Carlson because I know I can trust him in my own zone. I know he'll put up some points offensively. I know he's not going to blow the game for us. From a defenseman who's making $11.5 million, I want to be able to put you out there to start the game. I want to be able to put you out there for power plays. And I want to be able to put you out there when we're up one goal at the end of the game to finish the game off. I can't do that with you, Carlson. I can do it with all the other defensemen who make a ton of money. Even the Kale McCars of the world are out there at the end of the game. Him and Devin Taves are always out there. Latang's out there. Everybody's out there. McAvoy's out there, Tip. They, they get what it means to be a fully well-rounded defenseman. Look, I think Carlson last year just said, screw it. I'm going for it. Our team's a, a dumpster fire, and I'm just going to play defense or play offense. No defense. And maybe he will revert back to the guy I saw in Ottawa who I played against many, many, many times. And I was just like, this guy's all over the ice. He's he's tremendous. But I, I just don't I, I don't see the fascination. If Carolina does do this trade and they give up assets and they take his full salary cap on, because that's what San Jose wants. They, they don't want to take on any of his salary cap. They don't want to eat anything. This will be the beginning of the end for the Carolina Hurricanes. A once just so disciplined team when it came to salaries, when it came to te- team structure, defense first, this will be the end of this, this team as we know it. Rod Brindamore will get Carlson. He won't be able to bend him. He won't be able to change the way he plays. It'll be a bad matchup. It'll be Tortorella and Line A all over again. That's what it'll be. You think Rod the Bod's going to be like, all right, Carlson, go go rip around the ice. Have fun. Play loosey-goosey, baby. That's not, that's not how he plays. It'll be does, a terrible does, matchup. Does Carlson have it in him to to hold back offensively to round out his game? I don't it- think he does. I, I really don't. Because even when he was in Ottawa, he was still very, very offensively minded. But he had the gifts and he had the the ability to get back. Maybe he's lost a few steps. I don't know. He would be the first guy in the rush and the first guy back. It was incredible what he did. I don't see that anymore. He he doesn't want to be the first guy back. He's always floating, getting out of the zone. He's cheating on offense every single play. He's hoping another guy pokes a puck away, and then he's leading the rush the other way. So I'm just tired of talking about Carlson. It, it, it's, it's, it's not like when they were dangling Chitrin, the Arizona Coyotes. I'm like, Chitrin still has some meat on the bone. This guy's a good defenseman. He's going to be a good defenseman. Carlson, I, I feel like... He he's a net negative for a team who adds them. That's that's how I feel, and maybe I'm wrong. But he will make your team worse, and people are like going out of their way. Like Toronto, the idea if the if these rumors are true and they want to trade Nylander for Carlson, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. Trevealing should be tr- like fired tomorrow if if he's even thinking this. There's no way Nylander has so much value. He makes six and a change. You can get signed. You're going to bring on a con like 11. There's no way. Staying in Toronto. Rumors are swirling, Tim. Ilya Samsonov. They've halted negotiations. They did not come to an agreement. They had an extra month to work out a deal. Samsonov was close to five, six million dollar range. Toronto wanted him at wanted him at 2.4. Wasn't going to work. So they go to the arbitrator tomorrow. All this is being being done. Brad Trevealing, not one to sit on his hands. The guy's like, he likes to wheel and deal. We saw what he did in Calgary. He loves to move players in and out. He's never satisfied. He's been rumored to be kicking the tires on Carter Hart. And Carter Hart 
once promising young goaltender, the future for goaltending for Canada hockey, going to take the reins from Carey Price. He's the guy five years ago. Struggled of late. Resurrected his career a little bit last few years, playing a little better, showing glimpses of being that guy. Well, Danny Breyer's trading everybody in Philadelphia. Everybody, everybody has to go. He's revamping that team. There's no room for Carter Hart. Ilya Samsonov maybe priced himself out of Toronto. Matt Murray, who knows where he's going to be. LTIR, he's definitely not going to be on the Leafs roster next year, even if he is healthy. Maybe he goes to Philadelphia. What else is happening with this situation, Tim? Tell me. what You're a Philly insider. You go there all the time. You love the cheesesteaks. You're an animal. What can you tell me about the Carter Hart situation? Uh, I don't know, other than the least need to find out a way to get Samsonov. Samsonov, I think he calls himself. Because Carter Hart is one of those. He's like, he he could be good. And he could be great again. But he could also be a big block of cheese with a bunch of holes in it. Right. And so you, you Samsonov is what they need to make their chance, their team better in order to have a chance of winning this season. I'm not saying he's the only option. There are other goalies out there like a Hellebuck that maybe you try to make that work if you can't bring in Samsonov, but Hellebuck's not going to be less expensive than Samsonov. I don't care about how much you retain. And so Carter Hart, it, it could be exciting. The idea of him going back to what he was when he first came up as a rookie and sophomore, and he puts up those numbers in front of the team in front of him. Okay. All of a sudden the Leafs, are back at the top of the mountain. But if he's not, and he's probably not, your team just got worse. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is a safe bet for Toronto. Carter Hart has one year left on his deal, just below $4 million. Philly obviously made it well-known. Cal Peterson is their goaltender. They traded for him from LA. He's their guy. So Carter Hart's expendable. I think he's a better option than Matt Murray, without a doubt. I think he is not as good as Ilya Samsonov. For obvious reasons, Samsonov played great last year. If he goes in, Carter Hart, and plays like he did last year, he got his goals against his sub three. His save percentage was above nine, which is good on a Philadelphia team that was just atrocious. Let's be honest. Call a spade a spade. They were bad. Yep. No life there. Infighting, outfighting. Torres calling everybody out. He goes to Toronto, doesn't have to face as near as many as grade A chances. I think he plays great. He's in a contract year. Toronto will be getting a great deal with Carter Hart. In my opinion, if Brad Trevelyan can pull this off, much like I said last year when he was in Calgary and he brought in Huberto and he brought in Kadri and he brought in Mackenzie Weger and everybody applauded him and said, what a, what a great offseason for the Calgary Flames and it blew up in his face. I will be saying the same thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So they can make this work salary cap wise and roster wise, make all the pieces fit together. If he can go from losing the starting goaltender and Ilya Samsonov, totally reshuffling their forwards, bringing in Tyler Bertuzzi, bringing in Max Domi, bringing in Ryan Reeves, getting John Klingberg, bringing in Carter Hart, Tim, that's five or six guys who are NHL Arguably all-stars, some of them, Bertuzzi, Klingberg, like very Carter Hart, really high-end players. He will have won the offseason in my eyes if he can do this. If he can make this work, I don't know how it works salary cap-wise. I haven't done the numbers. You lose Matt Murray, who makes 4.65. You gain Carter Hart, who makes 4. You put Muzzin on the LTIR. You got to maybe make a few other things work. But, man, I think this is would be a stroke of genius for Brad Trevelyan if he can get this done. That's me. 
Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it, but you got to figure out a way to make Samson not work. Oh, I, I think that ship has sailed. I, I don't think he's coming back to Toronto. I think the arbitrator is going to come back tomorrow. It'll be four to five million dollar range, and Toronto's just going to walk. They can't afford that. They can't afford to have him making that much money. It's there's there's no feasible way to make that work. I, I don't see it working on money wise. But you get rid of him. You get rid of Matt Murray. You bring in this Carter Hart. You make you make another. Maybe Philadelphia eats some of Carter Hart's money. He's only bringing two and change over instead of the whole four. And then I could see it working. And then Toronto's, they got something going on there. And then that just calms things down for a month. And then you have to worry about Austin Matthews entering the last year of his contrast. Willie Nylander, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, Sam Laftery, TJ Brody, Young Klingberg, Mark Giordano. This Toronto team is is just, it's wild. Wild stuff, Tim. All right, what else are we talking about? Let's do a couple voicemails. It's been a while and we've had a few kind of add up here. So I'm going to pull up the list as I always do. Start one from Marco. Hey, boys, Marco from Queens, New York. All right, got a quick question for you guys. Uh, John, with the enforcer position slowly, slowly on the decline in the NHL, do you think that the new thing is he's all in one guy that can do it all, hit, fight, and score, like the Chuck, the Tom Wilson, the Brad Marchand, the future of hockey as opposed to just one guy that's just there to fight like you kind of were? That guy's well, Marco, I, I think it's obvious that would be ideal if you could have one guy to do it all. I, I would not put a Brad Marchand in the same category as a Tom Wilson or a Brady or Matthew Kachuk. I think they're very, very different because Marchand doesn't fight. He's just a you know a little weasel who is an MVP candidate every single year. Like he's a he's a superstar who just likes to get his big old nose in everybody's business. I don't think. Well, it, it's I don't think we've lost the way of and i don't want to call them one-dimensional because they do other things they hit they score a few times but i I think we haven't lost the guys whose main job is to enforce is to keep the other team on their toes is to fight if someone gets out of line I, i don't think we have lost that type of player yes they've evolved a little bit they've become better just like everybody else is better the third line's better. The fourth line's better. The five and six D pairing are better. Everybody's more talented. Everybody can do more things because everybody trains more. But I don't think we have lost the one guy who is there to fight. I think every team needs that. Toronto has that. Ottawa has that. Boston has that. Every team has the one guy. It's like, okay, we need someone to fight. That's you. You're that guy. So, no, I, I don't think we'll ever lose that position in hockey. Hopefully. Okay, but how many of those guys in the league are under 30? I don't know. I'd have to go through the rosters. But yeah, they are aging. I don't think they're making them like they used to, where it's like you come up and you fight in the dub, and then you fight in juniors, and you get to the NHL and you fight. It's definitely different. They're harder to see. Gone are the days when you come into the NHL and you have 150 fights under your belt. But yeah, I agree. I, I that's a good point, Tim. There's not many young guys coming up who can just say, I'm a fighter. That's me. Hands up. But you get you, maybe you add that when you make the show. I don't know. We should do that. Go through the rosters. Who are the tough young guys under 30? That's a good question. Now you got me thinking. That would be a good segment for next week. Yeah, I'll do some research. No, there's not many. All right. What else? So another one here. Man, huge fan. Uh, okay. Big Sharp fan as well. Grew up in Hartford, Connecticut. I want to know, hey, John, give me a little bit of uh, your fondest Hartford Whaler memories. Let's go Whalers. 
Damn, I have zero memories of the Hartford Whalers. Do you have any memories of the Whalers? No, I was a little bit young. Um, you don't remember watching like, watching them growing up? And no, no, I, I knew they were a team, but I was never a fan. So it's one of those things where if I knew they were going to be gone, you know, and never be a team again, then maybe I would have paid attention, much like the Quebec Nordiques or the Atlanta Thrashers. Like, oh, maybe I should watch these guys. They're, they're not going to be there next year. I could care less. When did they when did they leave the NHL? Do you know? Because I was born in 1982. By the time I started watching hockey and stuff, I was probably seven, eight, you know. But I I I don't know. Find out when they were not a franchise and then we can talk because I, I don't think let's see the history they went to Hartford 97. They left and they went to Carolina. So I would have been 15. I don't know. Like, I remember when Ronnie Francis was there. I remember him wearing a Hartford Whalers jersey, but I wasn't a fan. I was a Bruins fan growing up. So they were the only team I really focused on. Yeah, I will say just growing up in Boston, there are still a lot and there always have been the Hartford Whalers hats, T-shirts. Like people think fondly of that, that New England connection. I think people found it easy to root for those guys as well. So I think it's Hartford a big city. It's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. What's pretty big. I don't know the numbers. It's 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 not a small, it's not a tiny city. Look it it up right is here. it as big as like Boston or like what is the pop? It's 120,000 people. So it's not huge. Like I grew up in a town of 130,000 in St. Catharines, Ontario. We did not deserve an NHL team. So compared to the other cities in the NHL, it's a small town. Yeah, small state. It's a good AHL team. You don't need a team in Hartford. But yes, thank you for calling. What else? All right, I'm going to do one more. We got a lot. Look at all the voicemails we got. Yes. Hundreds of them. Crazy. Thank you for calling in, everybody. Call us at 980-522-8146. Very exciting. All right, one more. Okay. During your time in the NHL, who is the fighter you respected the most? I'm going to nominate Cam Jansen because he's 5'11", fighting dude to your size. He never backed down, and he'd wave the officials off. That whole dumb waving the officials off was the biggest gimmick Cam ever did. It <laughs> didn't do anything. You you show me a fight where Cam waves the officials off, then he comes back and wins the fight, and I'll, I'll be surprised. Maybe he lands a glazing one, but that was just a gimmick for him to act like he won the fight. But yeah, I do respect Cam. Definitely fighting at his weight class. I'm going to pick a guy... Kind of the similar situation, but I, I think a lot more out of his weight class was uh, Brandon Prust. Brandon Prust was a guy who just never said no to anybody, and he could do a lot on the ice. You could put him anywhere in the lineup. He would kill penalties. He was a very valuable player, and I think you saw that where teams would go out of their way. They, they'd always pick him up at the deadline. A contender would would grab him because he did so much. But, uh, yeah, Prusty, I think I fought him in the AHL. Beat him up, but tough kid. Tough kid. Him and those those smaller guys were always, you know, you respected them. But then the bigger guys, too, because they wouldn't say no. I, I think those days are gone. And guys who would just fight anybody at the drop of a hat. Now guys pick their pick their spots and they don't want to be embarrassed because there's TVs and you're going to be like memed into oblivion. Like when I got knocked out by Justin Johnson, it was just like people were sending me like these videos like, oh, you suck. I'm like, I get it. Back in the day, you could lose a fight. You'd wake up the next day and no one would know about it. So now there's maybe a little more on the line. But yeah, those smaller guys were uh, very underrated. And then a Derek Dorsett. Those guys. I, I Dorsett, 
trust those types of players who were way out of their weight class. Uh, Jared Bull, he was a tough guy who fought all these heavies and was always outgunned, but never backed down. Beat Jared Bull up too. This is fun podcasting. Thank you. (laughs) Really pumping my tires here. Anything else, Tim? No, we did it. I think we did it. I think we did. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Go out there. Have some fun this weekend. We'll talk to you on uh, next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 